When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back at the game week we've just played to assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I am joined by the lads from the FPL Experiment Podcast. Adam, Nick, Greg, thanks for joining me again. It's a pleasure to have you guys back as always. You all okay? Hello, Sam. All good? Hi, Sam. Very well, thank you. Hi, Sam. For people that haven't listened to your podcast before, do you want to just give us a little rundown on who you are and where people can engage with your content? We are the FPL Experiment Podcast. There's one team. So this was the experiment that we set up at the start of the season. So we decided we'd have one team between the three of us. We'd pool our knowledge and see if we could create a team that finishes in the top 50k. And that, at the start of the season, Sam... Seemed like a great idea and everything was going swimmingly until this week when we've had a really awful week for game week 34. Um, we've dropped out of the top 50k and we scored 24 points this week. So Woo-hoo. thank you very oh. much. Game week 34. Big you know, fan of you. Game week 34 was the game week that I I was so confident about game week 34. I looked at my team on paper and was like, yeah. This looks like a team that, that's going to do all right for me this week. And then, of course, what happened on Sunday happened. And I had Saka, who who didn't play in the Arsenal game, which was annoying. But I thought, well, you know, that's why you have a good bench. You know, cover these players that, that maybe miss out, get rotated around the Champions League and the Europa League. And I had thought that that might happen. But when that Manchester United and Liverpool game got postponed it was like the world ended I had five players in that game that was six then that didn't play thankfully some of the rest of my team actually did score some points so that helped but it's still like you guys it still took me back outside the top 50k and it was like ow having said that the 10k rank loss that I had on as a result of that actually feels okay in comparison to some of the catastrophes that I've seen from other people across social media for game week 34. So I I must say, I am very much looking forward to kind of moving on into game week 35. And of course, just before we came live, literally an hour ago, we had the big announcement of a triple game week for the next game week. So suddenly we are now going from a blank game week into a triple game week into another blank game week again the following week. So are you guys, your heads as messed as mine are right now in terms of what you're going to do? Yeah. It's definitely tough to figure it out, isn't it? Like we, because we had, we had six Liverpool and United players, and our bench was woeful for game week thirty-four. So we had a disaster. But now I'm kind of feeling quite smug. Like we've got six Liverpool and United players, and we're ready to go for a triple and a double for those two teams. So I think it could actually work out well, and maybe we can make up a, a bit of that ground that we lost last week. Because I would imagine there'll be hits being taken left, right, and centre to get a big team out for this week coming. So 
I don't know. I, I, I actually feel all right about it. And it's worked quite well for us because we've got bench boost as well. So going into a triple, double, like teams playing left, right and centre. So this game week could actually be monumental. My only thought is looking at some of those doubles that are available, they're not the most enticing doubles. So maybe there might just be a few single game week players out there that might just catch you out. I mean, sorry to kind of rain on our our own Mm. parade. I think you're right, Adam, because there's always single game week players who outperform the double game week players. Every single time there's a double game week, one of the things that I often feel like a broken record for saying it, but I always say, don't overlook the single game weekers with nice fixtures. Uh, and one of those that I was talking about this morning was Mohamed Salah. Now, of course, Mohamed Salah now has a double game week in game week 35, but it was that original fixture against Southampton that was really attractive to me in terms of the single game week. And of course, you look at other players out there, the the Spurs players against Leeds, that looks attractive from an attacking point of view, the likes of Kane, Son, maybe even Bale, they could still be good options this week. Brighton defenders still look like a good option this week, all with just a single game week. So we'll talk more about game week 35 and the ramifications for the triple and the double. But let's talk about game week 34. And it's going to be painful for all of us because none of us, had a great game week. Of course, we have another Friday deadline. We still have some Champions League football after we finish recording this to play this evening. So that will affect Chelsea moving forward. And then, of course, the Europa League on Thursday evening has an impact on what happens with Manchester United with their huge run of fixtures that they've got over the next week. And of course, Arsenal as well. But let's start with with Manchester United and Liverpool. On Sunday afternoon, I sat when that game got postponed and was really annoyed at myself because I very, very nearly the hairs away from doing Bruno to Bale this week. I'd spoken about it all week last week. I had got to the point of the confirmation screen about four times before I bottled it. And in the end, bottled it because... Bruno had a double coming up and I thought, how can I take out somebody that's got a double game week coming, replacing with a single game week at the time? And when I wrote the notes for this podcast, I wrote in them, it's definitely something I should have done. Of course, that has changed a little bit now with with the news that we've had um, this evening about the triple game week. But let's talk about Spurs for a minute, because they are a single game week. Uh, side for 35 but they did play well in game week 34 and we were starting to see them coming to the fore again maybe from an FPL perspective yeah I think so I think what Ryan Mason has definitely shown is a willingness to change his tactics so the way that he played in the Carabao Cup was so much different to the way that he played against say Sheffield United but what he's done really well is managed to get a reaction from Bale and Son so Mm. from an FPL perspective You've now got Bale, Son and Kane. And if there wasn't a double coming up, I don't think you could go wrong with any of those three. And I think they'll change the way that they play. Maybe Kane dropping deeper, maybe Bale playing a bit further forward, maybe Son being the one to nip in behind. I think the Leeds game is really interesting because Greg made a really good point last night. Obviously, Greg, our resident Leeds expert, but with Calvin Phillips out, Leeds just are nowhere near as effective. And I look back at their results and around the times when he's injured is when leads tend to be a lot poorer. They've definitely changed a lot from the way that they were at the start of the season to now. They were so much more gung-ho. The results weren't as predictable. Leads so much tighter, but kind of looking ahead, I'm like, well, Spurs could do quite well if Phillips is out. But I think the thing is, it's weighing up whether or not you're happy to go with a single game week player or whether or not you go with a double game week player this week. With the Spurs options, 
there's just too many other enticing players out there for me to say I'd go with Bale, I'd go with Son. So I probably wouldn't be too concerned. And in my own team, I have got Son. I wouldn't be too concerned about getting rid of him, but I definitely wouldn't be making moves to bring those players in because I'm looking at Zaha and I'm looking at Ward Prowse and I'm now looking at Greenwood and thinking they're the players in similar price brackets I probably would want to bring him to my team. Yeah, I think that's a valid point, isn't it? Because when you're coming up towards a double game week, you always think about the double game week players as a focus. And, and particularly this time around when there are some players, particularly I'm thinking about Everton, who have what on paper is, is a challenging double, but then they come out into a couple of really nice fixtures in 36 and 37. So there's scope for bringing in those players maybe ahead of players that have a single game week this week. But I think you're right. I think if you if you own the likes of, of Kane and Son and Bale, you're probably holding them. I can't, I can't think that you take them out after the performance they put in in 34. I'm not sure the lads agree with me on this, but I'm all for the end of season shuffle. So just think about this week. If you've got a team with three games or you know, a team like Liverpool or Everton with, with a double, if you need to get rid of Sun, if you need to get rid of Kane, I'd definitely do it. And then just think about next week, next week, right? I, I know that's not really the way you should play FPL, but I do think there are opportunities at the end of, of the season like this that, you know, you've just got to go for it. Like, I, I, and I know it depends on your position and what your goals are for the rest of the season, but I think... This is a big opportunity now and and you could really make some strides in your mini leagues. Sam, what do you think is Kane's actual fitness right now? Because we had a little bit of a debate about this last night and Adam was talking about how withdrawn and how deep he was playing almost that quarterback role at the weekend. And I think if you're going to do that against Leeds, I don't think he's going to be as effective as his price point warrants. And what is it, 14 points in his last four game weeks? Is he just going to be another catalyst to maybe enable Bale and Son to get more points at the moment? Where is he at in terms of fitness? What are they saying? The question that all FPL managers want to know, I guess, is what should you do with Kane? I mean, for me, I, I did a bit of a dig into Spurs this morning and I was looking at XG for Sun in particular because my view watching Spurs actually has been that it's Sun that's looked really off the pace in terms of his fitness. He just looks knackered after not that long on the pitch. And for me, so I looked at the first six game weeks, the last six game weeks, and his XG is half what it was in the first six weeks of the season to the last six game weeks that we've had. Whereas for Kane, his XG stays fairly static over the course of the season. It has an odd dip here and there, but even between the last six and and, and the first six, it's not that different. But his expected assist is massively down over the last six weeks. And I think that's because of the way that Son's been playing. So in part, I feel like if we're going to see Mason play Bale more often, which it seems like we're going to, given, you know, he's had two games in charge in the Premier League and he's started in, in both of them. Then we could see a return from Kane again. I think he potentially did maybe come back a little bit early for that cup final. But the reality is that if he wasn't fully fit, I don't think he would have played him in against Sheffield United in game week 34 because there was scope enough in that side to have not necessarily needed Kane to win that game. Are we not also reading a little bit too much into that Sheffield United game, though? Because they are so poor. Mm. Everyone's whipping them. Like, we didn't really expect anything else into Spurs to go in and beat them and beat them convincingly. So, pre that, they've not been setting the world alight. There is some merit to what Nick is saying about those assets. And when you've got what is a really exciting game week ahead, 
you could do the hop on, hop off. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there are options abound. Nick's just trying to push this get rid of Kane story that he really wants to go for, but has no idea who to bring in instead. So who's coming in? Oh, no, I do. I think we bring in DCL. I think yeah, he's, who's he's, the other one? He's obvious. <laughs> yeah, the and one, now Nick? we've got the triple. I would, I know it's risky, but I would honestly say Cavani. I think that this is the exact conversation that many FPL managers are having in their head right now. It's that I've got these expensive assets. I'm looking at a double game week that doesn't have these expensive assets as part of it. Maybe less so now that Liverpool have a double, but particularly with Spurs, you know, you, you're looking at it thinking, where do I go with these players? But the fixtures look nice. Um, Greg, I, you won't appreciate me saying this, but I think there is scope in there for Spurs to score against Leeds. I don't think that they keep a clean sheet in that game. So can Kane get a goal in that one? Yes, absolutely. Can Kane get more in that one game than Cavani could get across three games? Depends on how many minutes Cavani gets in those three games, doesn't it, is the reality. You would expect there to be a lot of shuffling of the pack going on from Oli across that triple game week. So it is a tough call, I think, to work out what to do with them. But for me, I'm going to hold Kane. I think, you know, 35 looks OK as a single, but then 36, you're going to want him, particularly with the blank for so many other proper assets that have been performing well, you know, with no Leicester, with no Manchester United. You're going to want your Spurs assets then, I think. And then probably the same again for 37. And Harry Kane loves to score against Leicester, who we've got on the final day of the season. So for me, he's one that's going to stay. Plus, I have so much money invested in him that if I sell him, as you're suggesting, they can do a bit of a hokey-cokey on him. I can't afford to bring him back in because I just don't have the budget for that. I could if it was Son or Bale. So maybe there's more scope for hokey-cokeying them in and out of the team over the next few weeks. But with Kane, I think if you make the decision to sell you're kind of stuck with that decision unless you've only just got on that cane bandwagon. Let's move on from one just back from injury player to another and talk about Antonio and West Ham because they were fundamentally different in game week 34 to what we'd seen over the couple of weeks before. The return of Creswell and Antonio made a massive difference to them in this game against Burnley. Now, obviously, these are another tide that don't double this time around, But what are we thinking about West Ham assets? Because the fixtures are really nice going forward to the end of the season. I think all season West Ham have been a great team to own from an FPL perspective, either attacking or or even holding some of their defenders, such as Kufal and um, and Cresswell, like you said, who returned. But Antonio, when he is fit, is FPL gold. He's just delivered time and time again this season. He's been fantastic. Was it two goals and he got all the bonus points at the weekend? But it's not just Antonio. They've actually been sharing around the goals. You've had Bowen, you've had Suchek, you've had obviously Lingard scoring left, right and centre. But you also look at the other attacking returns as well. And they've been shared amongst the teams. Surprisingly, I mean, Soufal since game week 30 has popped up with four assists. So even though they've been conceding and, and quite heavily recently, that they've actually been atrocious defensively. He's actually been a quite a consistent performer and, and just returning points for you. So I like owning West Ham assets and, I think you can make a really strong argument for going for any of their attackers or or even their defenders. They're so, so motivated though, right? When does this opportunity ever come around for West Ham to finish in the top four? Like I, I may be wrong, but I can't remember one. So I think they do have a really nice run in, as you say, Sam. I think if I had a West Ham asset, I would keep them for this week. If I didn't, I'd probably hold off this week and, and, and try and get on them the following. Because I think... 
you've you've got to focus on on other stuff this yeah. week. But 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 Antonio, he is by far and away their most exciting player. Like, who do you want at the end of the season when they're gunning for top four? You want their talisman, and Antonio is definitely that. You're not I, a bit concerned though about him getting injured. Yeah, but I mean, well, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? If we're not going to bring him in for game week 35, that gives him another game week of fitness effectively it's, an, it's another 90 minutes under his belt before we invest for those final three game weeks of the season so actually maybe it puts us in a better position to bring in Antonio ahead of game week 36 which could be a really nice differential particularly because the Leicester fixture swing massively changes at that point so those like myself holding Ian Acho are maybe looking for another option towards the end of the season given he blanks as well in 36 maybe Antonio is, is that missing piece that we've kind of been waiting for I looked at their last two fixtures of the season West Ham and I will definitely be pushing bringing them in Southampton and West Brom are fixtures that you want West Ham for and as Nick said the reason I want in on West Ham is purely based on the comments coming out of that camp like there seems to be this real unity this this brotherhood like we're going to do this together they've said we want to win games we need to win all four of our games in order to qualify like I think they're they're great purely because of the noises that are being played by David Moyes. As Greg said, I'm not in a rush to invest in their defence because they're really poor at the back. But yeah, West Ham definitely going forwards look uh, look worth it. What about Manchester City then? Because we have seen huge rotation from Peppers, as we always do, and as I think we all expected as FPL managers around the Champions League. And obviously now they've qualified for the Champions League final, which is fantastic. But how do we manage them going forward? Are we just off entirely? Are we taking cheeky punts on Aguero because of the comments that Pepper's made about, you know, wanting to let him go out on a high? Do you know what's interesting? Man City against Chelsea, we obviously don't know yet, but it could be the Champions League final getting played this weekend, obviously, in the Premier League. So, yeah, do you know what? Greg and I were talking a lot yesterday. I mean, he looks so good against Palace at, at the weekend. That goal that he scored was special. But I, honestly, with their assets, I'm a bit confused about what to do between now and the end of the season because they're going to want to go into that Champions League final on a good run. So I imagine there will be rotation, but at the same time, he's got to keep that core of players playing at the same level that they have been playing over the whole season. So I can't imagine that he's going to give Diaz a month off. I can't imagine that Mares isn't going to play 75% of those games because they've been good because they've played consistently every single week in the formation that they've been playing in and playing the way that they have been. I would imagine you'll get a lot of KDB playing but coming off after 60 minutes or Mares playing and, and doing the same. So I, I think it's even though you know those players are going to be good and they will probably deliver across the run-in, it's just risky because I, I think everyone's minutes are going to be managed. Like I, I hadn't even considered bringing in City out assets for the run-in. I think the the only player I'd, I'd I'd kind of bank on starting would be Edison week in, week out, which is incredibly dull. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because you look at, okay, well, maybe then you invest in Torres. And in the last five game weeks, he's got one assist and two goals. So a decent return of five game weeks. But he's also been rested twice in the, in those game weeks as well. And you think, oh, well, Sterling's not playing in, in the Champions League. He's obviously falling out of favour at the moment. But then 
his his stats over the last what, 11 appearances for Man City have been awful as well. So if you invest in him, he's failed to score or re- and he's only registered one assist in his past 11 appearances. And that's in all competitions for, for, for City. So you, you think, oh, OK, well, it might be a bit safer going for Raheem, but it's not really because he's so bang out of form. Mm. I, I think it's a real conundrum what to do with Man City because they are the best team in the Premier League by far. I think it's too risky when you've got other assets at their price points who you know probably going to get guaranteed starts performing to the level that the other the city assets can. I do like the idea of Aguero though, because I think everyone's going to be trying to put him on a plate for him. Like if you've got the money to to spend, like it'd be great fun. It's difficult with City, isn't it? Because I don't have any City assets. And so every time a team sheet gets announced, in fact, every time they've got a game, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, how much is this going to hurt my rank today? Are the players that everyone else highly owns going to be part of Pep starting 11? And I, I agree with everything you just said about needing to keep the team together and playing for, for that Champions League final. They need to be informed when they hit that moment. But also they do need to protect their key assets and ensure that they don't get injured or they don't get overtired because it has been an incredibly long season. So missing out for chunks of games feels like something that could happen to me. It feels like going off early could happen. It feels like the odd benching here or there for the likes of Diaz and and Cancelo and KDB could be on the cards because the reality is that they should win the Premier League now without necessarily needing to win every game. Or it might be that they go out, play 50 minutes at a reasonable intensity and then slow things right down because we've seen how Manchester City can control games. I guess it's easier to avoid Manchester City in some ways than it is is for other clubs. I think, you know, the likes of, of Arsenal and Chelsea, we're seeing similar levels of rotation with them at the moment from Tuchel um, and from Arteta. Abamyang was obviously back for game week 34, but Saka missed out. For Chelsea, they had an injury to Rudiger, and those kind of injuries are are so key for the end of the season. And losing him is pivotal. And you could see kind of Tuchel, the potential for tinkering was there because of needing to protect people like Aspilicueta if Rudiger's not going to be there. So we didn't see Aspilicueta in game week 34. Obviously, we don't yet know what's going to happen to Chelsea in terms of whether they're going to make it through to the Champions League final or not. But they also have a massive game in terms of the FA Cup final in game week 36. So it's tough. What do we do about Chelsea assets? Because a lot of them are people that you were kind of thinking about. What do we do about Arsenal assets? They're less on the FPL radar, I think. But both double and then both blank. Chelsea have got a massive couple of games. And I think it's going to be really intriguing to see what happens with the Real Madrid game, which is obviously tonight, and then the City game. Because if they lose those two games, all of a sudden, what's been a really positive start under Tuchel could absolutely collapse. So I would be quite wary of Chelsea. And you've got absolutely no idea that if how they will react if they do lose tonight or if they do win tonight. How does that affect the game at the weekend? I think that it's really unpredictable to say what's going to happen with Chelsea assets at the moment. I agree, but I also think it's worth considering that Chelsea aren't guaranteed, as much as we've been talking about West Ham having to win their four games, they're going to be so motivated. Chelsea too aren't guaranteed that fourth spot just yet. So they have to win their games in the Premier League. And irrespective of what happens tonight in the Champions League and, and the FA Cup, those league games, they have to win. So there's yes, there will be tinkering. because we, we know Tuchel is prone to that, but 
I think the core players that he now knows he can rely on a little bit more, Mason Mount, we talked about quite a lot last night in our podcast, Werner, who, despite being panned left, right and centre from everyone, has actually been the chief returner of attacking, sorry, has, has been the, the, the player who's returned the most along with Mason Mount for Tuchel since he's been in charge. So we know the players he likes, we know the players he's starting to trust. Yes, there will be rotation, but I think we can rely on it somewhat. I think, to be honest, a lot of the top games this season have been really tight. Man City against Chelsea, I think the expectation is that you're looking at a nil-nil there. But it was 3-1 Man City last time they played, and that wasn't too long ago, back in January. Obviously, 1-0 in the FA Cup, but there are there is potential for goals in that game. And I can't... I, I mean, I actually agree with you. I don't think there's actually going to be that many, but it's so difficult to predict what's going to happen these next few weeks. And it's like literally putting a finger in the end, seeing which way the wind blows. I do think, though, that if Chelsea go out tonight, I think it makes things obviously far simpler. And if if they do, I would be far more inclined to continue to back players like Mason Mount and Rudiger because you know they're not expensive and they're great value so if you've got them I just stick by them and just see what happens like to Adam's point their form could drop off 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 the edge of a cliff but we have to wait and see and I I think if I had them I wouldn't sell them this week I'd just stick by them and just see what happens would you invest in them though coming probably not no I I I would I I want to see what happens tonight come on Tuchel's kept more clean sheets than any other manager in Premier League history from the first 15 games. Like, we know they're consistent. Are you asking more questions to crowbar in another one of your stats again, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> they're two tough fixtures though, aren't they, Greg? Like, you know, Manchester City and then Arsenal is the other part of the double. Now, Arsenal haven't been great. That is for sure of late. But they were better in game week 34. And the last time they played in the North London derby, they played significantly better. So they do tend to stand up in the London derby. So I would expect Arsenal to put up a bit of a fight. Obviously, what happens to them in in the Europa League on Thursday evening is going to have a big impact as well. I find Chelsea really difficult to invest in at the moment because... I can't call them in terms of rotation. I did have Aspilicueta, who I sold on my wild card, and he's been benched a couple of times since. So has been the right decision. But in terms of the four players, every time I watch Chelsea, I think, yeah, I'd really like to invest in one of you. But with the double looking the way it is, plus a blank in 36, it just doesn't feel like now is the right moment to do that. Because I feel like the Chelsea focus is surely on the game against Real Madrid in the Champions League then these two Premier League fixtures obviously take priority after that but then they've got that huge FA Cup final and that's that's silverware right that's really important for them so it's really difficult I think with Chelsea. Do you know what Nick you made a really good point a couple of weeks back I don't know if you remember saying it where you said that there are some teams the top teams where you look at them and you think they've got the potential to go out and score a number of goals and with Chelsea you think if they're going to win they might win by one or they might win by two and it might be scraping a win but it's a much more tactical win and I guess their attacking players aren't as exciting to me for that reason like when I look at the doubles and I look at all the fixtures strangely the Chelsea players they're right at the back of my mind even though defensively they're amazing but it's because in fantasy football you're essentially looking at that top eight first and you're thinking who's going to get me the most points in my midfield and my attacking areas so I'm not I'm not that excited about Chelsea. I think this is why, to my previous point, players like Mason Mount are interesting because he's not much money. I would never, I wouldn't even consider players like Werner because if he's returning the same amount of points as, as Mount potentially on average over over the past however many game weeks, why would you spend that extra money? Like you say, I don't ever see them 
steamrollering teams. Like, and I, I, I know they've been good recently, but I, I maintain that. And I think if you can potentially get some Chelsea assets in after that blank, I'd be looking at the ones at the cheaper end of the scale. The strategist. Oh, Greg, let's talk about Leeds for a minute, because I think for me, Leeds are a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde right now. Right? I sold Bamford and Dallas as part of my wild card. And then Dallas went and immediately repaid me by scoring a brace against Manchester City, uh, which was very kind of him. Actually, that's not quite true. I benched him that week and then sold him the week after. I keep thinking about bringing him back in. So every every time there's been a deadline since my wild card I've looked at Dallas and thought gosh I miss you I would like you back and then I haven't done it because there's been something else to do or I've looked at the player that I did bring in instead of him and thought well I bought you in for a reason I can't just take you back out straight away as the resident Leeds fan amongst us what is your thoughts on Leeds because Bamford seems to be an easy sell for anyone still holding him for the likes of Watkins Dominic Calvert-Lewin who we've already talked about a little bit um, Ian Nacho given the doubles that they have coming up. But is there scope for keeping with the Leeds boys towards the end of the season? I think you can afford to get rid of them this week. And and I think if you look back through April, despite us getting uh, the second highest amount of points only behind Man United, we were quite attritional in terms of how we played, which is so unlike us. And I think we've really missed Rafinha. Um, Mm. I think people now realise how much of a creative output he is for us and how much that actually releases people such as Harrison, who is, Again, you mentioned the phrase Jekyll and Hyde. Harrison is that to a to a T right now. Um, and Bamford really suffers when when we don't have Rafinha as that outlet for us. So I think you're sensible to, to get rid of Bamford. I don't think Bamford, until Rafinha comes back, is even worthwhile putting into a team uh, at the moment. But, uh, but I do think Dallas is, is worth being in a team. Maybe not for this week. And I, again, definitely not if KP, if, if Calvin Phillips isn't playing. But for the run of fixtures that we've got after that, which is what Burnley, Southampton and West Brom, that's a, that's a really nice set of fixtures. And when, as we know, Dallas, he's, he's a, an out-of-position defender who's generally going to be playing as our number eight now. He's superseded Click. Who've, who's dramatically curtailed off in form since really the start of the season. But uh, it's, it's an interesting one because I, I almost feel like we're not as exciting to watch at the moment. And that seems strange given how we've entertained throughout the whole of the season. But when you look at our assets, you've got Dallas, who's the highest before uh, the highest scoring defender in the game. You've got Melier, who's the second highest goal scorer, um, goalkeeper scoring in the game. You've got Bamford, again, the second highest striking point scoring in the game. So, these are assets that have delivered so consistently mm. throughout all the season. And I think sometimes when you question them, when we all questioned, is it worthwhile keeping the Leeds players when we all got rid of like that? We, I mean, we got rid of Dallas and what have you, and a bit everyone in the, in the posterior. So I'm undecided, but I think if you're going to get any asset, it'll be Dallas. I'm glad you said that because my plan originally as part of my wildcard was to sell Dallas for Castagna because Castagna had the nice run of fixtures. It felt like the right thing to do and actually has been because he's returned in that period. He got me the nice goal the other the other Monday night, which was delightful. And then after this game week to replace, do the switch back effectively. So to bring Dallas back for the final three um, and to lose Castagna at that point. And, and, and what you've just said kind of echoes what I'd thought in my head because Dallas... He's just been phenomenal. Even if Leeds don't keep clean sheets, his ability to upscale his FPL points in terms of attacking returns is there. Lesser when he actually plays as the defender that he's supposed to be. But I think, you know, next season I'll be highly surprised if Dallas is still classified as a defender in the game. It feels like he'll be moved 
into midfield. And so this might yeah. be the last opportunity that we have to really enjoy the additional points that we get from him as a defender, scoring goals, getting assists, being being as good as he has been, I suppose. So let's turn our attention to game week 35 because it is going to be the all-important game week. Now, as always, I, I asked you guys to pick out a player per position um, who you think is going to be a wise investment for game week 35. And of course, since then, a lot has changed about game week 35 because we didn't have a double for Liverpool. So feel free to change your picks or if you want to stick with them. And for those of you listening, just be aware that the guys didn't have the benefit of knowing that we were going to have a triple game week for Manchester United or a double game week for Liverpool when I asked them to make these picks. So let's start with the goalkeepers then, guys. Who... Would we put between the sticks this week? Do you know what? I'm going to say what I said last night and I'm going to go for Guaita and I'm going to stick with Guaita. And it's based purely on fixtures yeah. because Palace have been absolutely terrible at the back. But ultimately, they're playing against Southampton, who don't have Danny Ings. I think he's injured. And they're playing against Sheffield United, who have been down for a very long time. And I think there's just a chance. And ultimately, that gives you the opportunity, potentially to spend money elsewhere in your squad if you've got a cheaper keeper. So, um, and also Palace have got a game in 36 as well. So I think for that reason, he's got a chance. Now, I think there might be a lot of template teams as well this week. So he is one of those players that could be a differential for you. I like that pick. And I, it was a toss-up for me between Guayita and Pickford. Because uh, Everton have got West Ham and Villa, and I'd say Everton have been marginally better. Like, they've not been great, but they've been marginally better than Palace defensively. So I think if you're going to have a punt, I'd go for Pickford this week. If I was on a free hit, I'd go for yeah, But you love Pickford because you love the danger, don't you? Yeah, I like the risk. I like the risk on game day. It's, you what know, save point potential, I think, from Pickford it, this week? Against West Ham and Villa. Exactly. If he's going to get clean sheets, he's going to have to make some saves. I was I was with Adam on this. I, I went with Guaita. Um, it's a pretty boring pick. And you, I don't necessarily know if he's going to guarantee us uh, a, a pair of clean sheets, but I think he's the most likely at the double. And I think, to Adam's point, there are going to be a lot of templates out there this week. And I, I think Guaita offers you that real, hopefully, leap of um, leap of points from a differential perspective. It was my differential of the week, actually. So it'd be inter- hopefully it performs for, for me and our league. Strangely, he might not be quite as much of a differential as you guys think he is because he's currently the most transferred in player this week. Wow. Yeah. Uh, is he? Yeah. Everyone that's... listened to the pod last night then, that's what it is. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I recorded the official FPL show this morning and I, I thought, who's the most transferred in this week? I always like to have a little look at what's been going on in the markets and Kaito was sat there. Now, of course, that may have changed over the course of this evening with the, the, another announcement about Liverpool and, and Manchester United. But yeah, Gaeta was the most mind. transferred in player um, as of about 10.30 this morning, which blew my mind as well, Greg. But actually, it was a lot of Martinez transfers out. This morning, Martinez was um, the second most transferred out player and Gaeta the most transferred in. So I guess that there are people that are starting to kind of think about maybe making a change at this point potentially there's a lot of wild cards that have got held for this stage of the season and and looking at um Aston Villa's fixtures for the run-in it doesn't look like there's that many clean sheets to be had so there might be people that are thinking about going for two cheaper goalkeeping options maybe going with somebody like Sanchez and Gaeta and having them uh, rotate potentially which which might work so Goito, I think, is, is a good pick. Any love for Henderson now that we know that there's a double game week coming for De Gea or do we think that De Gea is going to get some match time and, and Henderson's going to get some too? I was I was thinking this as we were talking about 
um, our new picks, and would I change Guaita for for the Man United defense, um, goalkeeper? And I, I actually think there is a a big risk of maybe De Gea starting one yeah. of those. Let's talk about defenders then, because um, I guess that we might see the same name a couple of times here. But who are we thinking makes the best defender picks for this week? Yeah, I mean, I think after the announcement of the of the triple, some United defense looks fairly obvious, and I think Luke Shaw is the pick of the bunch. As you said, Sam, we've not had the opportunity to uh, to kind of look at United. And I, he wasn't necessarily the one I was going to go for. So just quickly scanning, he's only 5.4. So he's still really affordable and a really good way to get into that back line. His creativity stats, I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks, but they're so good. I think, Greg, didn't you say something like they're on a par with Messi's or something for well, the season? In- yeah, and in 2021, he's created the most chances of any player in the Premier League at 15. And that was before blank his blank game week had just gone. So I imagine he's still at the top. And I mean, his last two league games, he created 11 chances. I know he's on set pieces. And yes, you, you, a lot of them get racked up because of that. But he's also creating chances from open play. And as you said, I think it was the week before last time, he's pretty much a midfielder for Man United in, in, in the formation they're playing. And is he going to play three games? No. I, Luke Shaw, that we all know, will, I, I think he will struggle to put three games in a row together. He might be a sub and come on and, and maybe nick you a, uh, a quick attack in return. But I, I would still say of all the defenders, he would be my one go-to this weekend, particularly even with the, um, the triple game. I do think, though, that you've got to look at Everton as well because... I think security of starts is crucial in the double. And there was a really good article on the scout about who are those players who've had the most minutes in, in those double teams. Mm. And Luca Dean, you know, although he hasn't been Such showing, a suck up, Nick. Well, I mean, I like to drop a scout, you know, <laughs> clanger in there now and again. Um, yeah, although Dean hasn't been showing the form that you would maybe expect for his price, like last game, he, he looked pretty good. And I, I think he just has the most opportunity to score points being on set pieces so I think with Luca Dean he's he's one for me that I've been looking at before the triple game was announced he was my defender of choice for this week I was like I think he looks like a really good bet I don't think there's two clean sheets in those two games I think those fixtures are difficult um and I don't see Everton keeping two clean sheets but could they keep one maybe there's potential there for maybe one but I do think there's potential for attacking upside for him it's it's one of those difficult ones where I just don't have the budget to go from Connor Cody to Luca Dean. I just can't do it. I can easily obviously make the change down and go for Coleman instead. Then it's a question of, well, do I see clean sheets? Well, maybe not in the double, but I can see clean sheets in the games that come out of the double game week. So they feel like a really wise investment because even if you don't see the returns across this week, the potential to see them across the couple of games that follow are, are definitely there. So, yeah, I think an Everton defender and, of course, Luke Shaw, I think, is, is a great pick for this week. Much like you guys, I don't think he's going to play all three games. But as a Luke Shaw owner, I feel more sure that he's going to start two games across this game week now. Whereas before I was looking at it thinking, is he definitely going to start both the games of the double? Or is there a chance because of, you know, what's been happening in Europe that he gets a rest in one of them? But now I feel like two is probably likely to happen. And I think if you were... And in your head, if you knew that there's a surety of Luke Shaw starting two games and a double game week, you bring that guy in. 100%. Yeah, 100%. The third one's a bonus. If he gets any points from that for me, then great. But yeah. Yeah. What about midfielder then? Who are we going for in the midfield for this week? I've changed this before coming into the podcast because, you know, I think those United games are too, too good 
to ignore. So I think, you know, there's two that are fairly obvious and I'm going to pick out Greenwood depending on whether or not he plays in that uh, Europa League game because you don't know what kind of minutes he's going to get. You don't know if he's going to get injured, but, you know, he's been so good recently. The stats back up the goals that he's been scoring. He looks fired up. I imagine it's probably because the Euros are coming up and he's thinking, I want to be in that squad because he hasn't really been part of the picture all season. He's always been a player that's just had that natural finishing ability. And all of a sudden, he just seems to have gathered that bit of confidence. I don't know if my memory's wrong, but was he really good at the end of last season? Did he he go through this like little flourishing spot? And I think there are some players that, for some reason, they're, they're... they find periods of form like right at the end of the season or sometimes they're, they're really good at the start. So, you know, it just, it just feels like it's his time. And for me, he's even a strong contender for captain. I think a lot of people will go Fernandez, but, you know, I'm quite uh, interested in, in Greenwood. Obviously, we've only just heard the news, so that feeling might change. But my initial thought was, you know, he's quite an exciting pick given the way that he's been playing recently. Mm. I think... Bruno, you've got to look at Bruno for captain because he has been shipped by a lot of players. Like a lot of teams have got rid of him. Yeah. And he had a a really dry spell. He set this bar, which is just ridiculous. And as soon as he's dropped below that and had a few blanks, like people have just got fed up of him. He looks so good versus Roma. And I was so excited to to see him playing versus Liverpool. Yeah, I was too. Um, And even before the triple, he he was going to be my pick and I, I, I've been talking to the lads about him for captain anyway um, two defensively poorest teams on the cards and you know Liverpool haven't been great either so I think he's got to be in the conversation for captain for me See I really like Zaha for this week um, which is out there totally but in the same way that you said about Greenwood Zaha does have a habit of performing really well in the back end of the season and also in January when the transfer windows start opening up. He, he really does love to start kind of performing back at his best. And I, I was really excited to watch him against Manchester City in game week 34, not necessarily because I thought he was going to actually return any FPL points, but because he was properly on my radar as a player I wanted to bring in ahead of this week. And of course, he got a slight groin strain ahead of that Man City game and it did seem to affect him. He didn't always look at his best during the course of that game, but he seems to be okay now. So with the two fixtures that he's got coming up, particularly with the space that those two sides will give him on the wing, he could be a really great differential pick. He's still owned by under 10% of the game, so he could be a really nice pick. Plus he has Arsenal in a couple of weeks' time. He loves to score against them as well. So he, he may be somebody that he can hold for a couple of game weeks. Do you know what? Their fixtures as well have been really tough. You know, like you said, they played City, but they had Leicester and Chelsea as well. So in a way, people will probably ignore Zaha based on form. But Mm. actually, you know, you could probably say, well, you wouldn't have really expected Palace to have performed that well against those sides. I always think of Zaha as well as a flat track bully. These are two sides that looked, they looked primed for a bit of Zaha wriggling his way into the penalty area. They look like they're going to be in trouble against someone like Zahar. Those two fixtures against two bad defences. And really, you're going to go for nine players, the same as everybody else, probably. And it's the two players that are the difference makers. And Zahar fits into that bracket. I think another one in midfield is potentially Ward-Prowse, who has shown really good form recently. If you kind of look at the stats, he's got slightly better numbers than Zahar in terms of expected goals over over recent weeks. And he just looks like he could 
always provide you with some kind of points and he's cheap as well so he enables mm. you to maybe go off and make sure that you've got Fernandez, Salah maybe you can still keep Kane and then you've still got a player who's a threat consistently I think Zahar and Ward-Prowse is quite a big consideration I think this week I prefer Ward-Prowse over Zaha. and Zaha's just burnt me so many times as an owner and, mm. and I think with, with Ward-Prowse being on every single set piece that, that Southampton um, have, then you, there is potential for, for, for attacking returns. And you said that he's been directly involved in 14 goals in the Premier League this season, which is the best for a Southampton midfielder for, for a long time since Tadic back in 2015. But there was also stat. that stat we talked about. Yeah, no, I'm going to give you a Zahar's got the now. same There's numbers, though. I think about... he's got 14. I think Zahar's got 14. He's got 10 goals and four assists. Palace, so far this season, conceded the most goals from outside the box. And we know that Ward-Prowse likes shooting from outside the box. He loves popping one off in there. So there's more potential for me even there. So there you go. James will prowse for me. Get mini team. Get lots of points. Right. Let's talk about forwards. Hopefully there'll be less difficulty agreeing on the forwards for this week. Where are we going? Nacho's the obvious pick this mm. week. I think he's 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 pretty straightforward. But I, th- I think I'm really enjoying a rogue pick at the moment. And I never thought I'd say this, but I think the time has come to get big Ben in your team. And <laughs> I can't believe going there. I, they are two of the worst teams defensively in the league that he's fa- facing. And I have seen him, I've seen him head crosses directly into the keeper's arms so many times. But for some reason, I just feel like this is the week. And I think, as Greg said, you know, last night on our pod, Greg loves to dish out the stats, as he's done tonight, Sam. But then he will offer, often say things like, Big Ben loves shooting. So that's a sort of difference in insight you get. Like Greg's got real range. And but he's right. Like he, you know, Big Ben is is the spearhead of their attack. And I, I think he he has potential. It, it, and he and he's cheap. It, it'd be a nice punt and he can facilitate other other moves. I've got to be honest. When I sent you the outline for what we were going to talk about tonight, the word Benteke was not something that I thought was going to come up in this <laughs> chat about the best forward for this game week. <laughs> but I will give it to you that he does have a really, really nice set of fixtures. And, and, and I do think that Palace have the best fixtures for this double game week or the triple game week, as, it, as we perhaps should now be calling it. I just don't know that Benteke has multiple goals in him across this, maybe a goal in each game. Palace haven't exactly been on fire, but but I do think if you are, you know, if you've got a player up top that hasn't been performing, if you've got Bamford this week and you're kind of thinking, well, what do I do? And you've already maybe got Watkins and you're not sure about Calvert-Lewin because those fixtures are tough. And maybe you don't want to go in actually because you've got the blank to contend with or you're free hitting and therefore you don't have Harry Kane for this week. Why not? It's a, it's a real differential pump. But if it comes off, it'll Imagine the you. celebrations. 100%. Adam, have you got Benteke as well? You've got someone else. No, do you know what? I think if I could have an ideal forward line for this game week, I would have Ian Acho. I would have Harry Kane because I think there's potential against Leeds and I think he's got a strong game in game week 36. Mm-hmm. So I am looking ahead to that game week 36 thinking I've got a player there, especially if you're heavily invested in Manchester United players, you're heavily invested in say Leicester players. And I think Chelsea all don't have a game in 36, but I would have Kane. I would have Ian Acho and I'd have DCL. I think they're the three that I would go with. DCL's fixtures are good. He's had a bit of a return to form. He's been consistently good over the season. And what was really encouraging for me was the way that the balls were coming into the penalty area from 
Dinia in the last game. And so that's the service that he needs. But then also Ancelotti giving Richarlison a bit of a rocket and saying, I need more from you. You need to contribute more to the team. You know, does that fire him up? Does that make him want to maybe get Everton back to the way that they were playing at the start of the season. So I think DCL, given that he's got the double, is a bit too good to be true. They'd be the three that I really want this week. I would um, I'd, I'd back up Adam there with, with DCL. And I think as bad as Everton are at home, um, um, they're, they're woeful, they're, they're the complete opposite away. And they've got two away games now. So this is their best away campaign ever in the, in the history of the club. And I think he is coming back to a, a little bit of form. So he's got a nice run of games and... Yeah, I think that that strike line that Adam just just suggested there. Yeah, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to go against it. I, I I am unsure about Harry Kane a little bit, but I wouldn't put Benteke in ahead of him. Would you go for Vardy and Ianacho? By the way, no, I'd tell Vardy well, ahead of the double. Yeah, but he's guaranteed yeah. to start though. What, because got... you want to bring in Benteke, Sam? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I. Uh... So I would struggle to send them ahead of the double. I, I do agree with you on that. I think that, you know, holding holding them for that is, is probably wise. But his form isn't, he's just not been there. Every time I've watched Leicester, he's been wasteful with the opportunities. Ian Acho could have had about five assists the last time I watched Leicester play, had Vardy finished his dinner. Um, yeah. And he's a really difficult own I think right now particularly when you look at somebody say like Ollie Watkins who has a double game week this week has returned in what I think it's six of the last seven games he's played in he suddenly found his feet again without Grealish and for me owning a player like him who's significantly cheaper and doesn't give you a headache for 36 and still benefits the double feels quite a nice place to be I always feel with Watkins though that he's almost a bit like what Jimenez offers you from an FPL perspective you you, you can get one goal uh, fr- from him and, and yes there'll mm. be maybe a consistent metronome effect from from an attack perspective but I, I never see him being that that two goals or a goal and assist and that that 11 12 13 pointer from him I, I just don't see that I guess do you expect I... that from someone that 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 cheap no but then if I've got but I expect that from Vardy so yeah. would I then yeah want Vardy out yeah. someone who couldn't necessarily do that so if we're looking at flipping off a of Vardy to a, to a Watkins, that's that's what's maybe difficult for me to, to countenance this week. But It's it, hard to sell Vardy this week because yeah. of the double. It really yeah. is. I mean, with a double game week, even with the form that he's been in, it would be really tough to sell him this time around. But he is an easy sell for 36 because the fixtures toughen up when they come back from the blank. And of course, they have the blank. So there's potential there maybe for the shift to, say, Dominic Calvert-Lewin after the double if he didn't want to go there straight away. I do feel as well that Vardy is one of those players that will just explode in 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 a game week, and it's it's hard to call when that game week will be. But I, yeah. I, I think this is as good a chance as any for that to happen. Okay, well let's talk about captaincy then before I let you guys go. Is it a straightforward Bruno's effective ownership is going to be two hundred percent because he's got a triple, and therefore we should all put our armbands on him? Or are there other better options out there that are maybe guaranteed? the game time also see before we did our podcast last night i had dcl as my captain choice but then there was the rumors that liverpool were going to get a double so mm-hmm. i then was leaning towards okay if liverpool double gets announced then i'd like salah to be my captain but now we've had the triple of man united and i'm i'm in a quandary do i do i stick my guns and go salah who i think with the double gaming that he has on on offer that's that's tantalizing and i think he could score heavily in that double and i still think he's probably likely to get maybe as minute as many minutes as some of those triple players triple attacking options for Man United so for me 
I'm still sticking with Salah. But how wrong does that feel not to captain a player who has three games on paper? Oh, I know. And I feel a little bit dirty saying it, but... I, I can bring myself I, to do that. But then I just... His double isn't great. The United game in the double for Salah that isn't that enticing. You're really just banking on the on the Southampton game. I think you've got to go for a United asset of some kind. Fernandez is obvious and kind of leaning a bit towards Greenwood as well, but it's a bit difficult. It depends where where you are. If you're chasing, you can probably afford to go for someone like Greenwood. And we're trying to hit the 50k mark. And we're on 69. So we're kind of on the edge of do we play safe? Do we go for something a bit more bit more rogue but surely you're looking at United as a captaincy option this week yeah we're, we're 14 points off that 50k so you can imagine with hit point people that are going to be taking point hits around us we could probably still be a bit aggressive I don't know that's a where's where's your head at Sam what are you thinking this week for captain so up until six o'clock tonight my armband was on Ian Acho I just was like I, I like the fixtures I like his form I like the way that he has changed the way that Leicester play going from just one up top to giving them just more of an outlet. Um, so I, I was really keen to kind of give it to Iheanacho again this week. It, 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 he felt like a, a, a bit of a safe pick. And I'd looked at Bruno and thought, yeah, I, I do quite like the fixtures, but I, I, that Leicester game, you know, and you haven't been in the best of form, all right, you had a really good game in the Europa League, but your form in the Premier League, you know, hasn't been hasn't been perfect. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, and then Salah was on my radar if the West Brom game moved into game week 34 the new triple announcement has kind of thrown a bit of a, a spanner in in the works if you like because now I'm sort of thinking I need to be, play this carefully because much like you guys game week 34 kind of threw me out of the top 50k so I'm seven points so there is an element of how much do I shield my team and how much do I sword it I'm bench boosting this week so there's already a, a a sword element to my team anyway because I'm going to be playing 15 as a result of that I kind of feel like I've already differentiated my team quite a lot I just have a feeling that Bruno's effective ownership is going to be like 600 <laughs> it'll be ridiculous so Come on, Sam, are you a wolf or are you a sheep what are you going to do I probably I'll be honest Adam I got scared enough that I didn't take Bruno out last time for bail when I really wanted to so I'm almost certainly gonna just captain Bruno this time around and let my bench boost team talk for me has Benteke come into the conversation at all no Nick Benteke has not come into the (laughs) conversation do you know what though I hadn't actually thought of obviously when I was talking about our team saying actually we could be aggressive by going for Greenwood, but we are also playing our bench boost this week. So as you just alluded to there, Sam, actually we are differentiating ourselves and our team by playing that bench boost. Therefore, by being safe, I mean, as much as you want to coin that phrase with the expected ownership around uh, Bruno, actually we are still being quite aggressive as well. Yeah, exactly. Chip strategy is going to be definitely important going into this week because if you're free hitting, if you're bench boosting, if you're wild carding, you kind of give yourself a bit of an advantage before you start the week because you've been able to plan for the specific game week that we're seeing. And therefore, perhaps playing it a bit safe with Bruno is the way to go with captaincy. But there are other options that we could look at. Benteke, of course, because Nick will kill me if I don't say Benteke. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Iheanacho, Salah, they all offer potential to be good captain too. Do you think this is the most times that Benteke's name has been ever mentioned on this ever. podcast? It's the most time <laughs> Benteke's name has been mentioned on any podcast in the history of FPL. <laughs> Since 2015. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it from this week's Scout the Game Week. Adam, Nick, Greg, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to name this podcast 
the Benteke podcast. Um, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you all. I'll be back next week to look back on triple game week 35 and ahead to game week 36. And I'll be joined by FPL and Impriath.